0: We've got some difficult stuff to talk about this morning. I'll pick up with just a couple of things from the last time we got together. They're all that the beginner in prayer has to do, and you must not forget this, for it is very important, is to labor and be resolute and prepare himself with all possible diligence to bring his will, meaning your will, into conformity with the will of God. We don't have a problem with that as a rule because how could the will of God be painful? How could the will of God be anything that you didn't just delight in? It wasn't just wonderful. It's like, oh boy, let's have the will of God. And then we get to this part. If we go astray at the very beginning and want the Lord to do our will and to lead us just as our fancy dictates, how can this building possibly have a firm foundation? Talking about the building of the soul... Let us see that we do as much as in us lies and avoid these venomous reptiles. For often it is the Lord's will that we should be persecuted and afflicted by evil thoughts, which we cannot cast out, and also by aridities. And sometimes he even allows his reptiles to bite us so that we may learn better how to be on our guard in the future and see if we are really grieved at having offended him. This just doesn't work for modern nominal Christians. Just doesn't work for a number of reasons. One is because of the heretical false teaching that Christians will never have to suffer. They'll just be raptured, caught up in the air with the Lord. And then all of the troubles, the tribulations, the trials, the suffering, all of that will be eliminated for Christians. Because, I don't know, because that's what somebody came up with back in the 1800s, this false teaching started. There are so many false teachings in Christianity that it's really difficult to assess them all. There are just so many. For example... Let's take the prosperity movement, I guess that's the best thing to call it, which is that God wants to give us all, if we're Christians, and if we will claim it, he'll give us all millions and millions of dollars. And there are people, wealthy people, who are selling this crap as the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me because I never, ever, ever bought into it. For some reason, I mean, well, probably because I had a crap childhood. You know, some people have childhoods where they they have fun. They get to go play and they get to do things and they get to go on vacations and they have toys and they have friends and they have parents who love them. And I didn't. I'm not saying my parents didn't love me. I'm not saying I didn't have fun. I'm not saying I didn't have toys. I'm just saying that it was so heavily outweighed by the grief of my childhood that it's minuscule compared to the, the reality of the way I was raised. I don't know. You know I, I'm not saying, oh, poor me, I was raised, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying any of that. I look at my childhood as what prepared me to be able to do what I do now. Well, you look at it another way. Let's just put that aside and let's just say you want to be an athlete. You want to go to the Olympics and you want to win a gold medal or two or three or four. A good goal, wouldn't you say? Interesting goal. But what does that mean? Well, what it means is physical injuries, physical stress, mental stress, emotional stress, constantly striving for something that can't be attained. (laughs) That's what it means. It means pain and suffering that you put yourself through because you have a bigger goal in mind than your comfort, than lazing around, lying on a couch or, you know, sitting in an easy chair, watching TV or whatever people do. And you just work hard, force your body to do things that it doesn't want to do. And that's how people become gold medalists. They don't become gold medalists by eating cookies and cake and drinking Coca-Cola and saying, oh, isn't this wonderful? Look, I can be a fat pig and still run a 100-yard dash in three seconds. You know, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And we know that. We know that nobody gets to that place by not suffering, by not pushing themselves, by not working really hard. Some people, it's, it's true, some people have gifts and talents that put them ahead of other people. And that's the way that goes. That's life. If someone of moderate talent, moderate gifts is willing to work extra hard, there's a very good possibility that he'll overtake or she'll overtake someone who is more gifted, more talented, but lazy. They rely more on their gifts and talents than they do on hard work. It's possible that that person who does the hard work can surpass them. Doesn't always happen, but it is possible people have done it. So to imagine that God only wants you to eat jelly donuts and, you know, and and just, you know, have somebody fan you and peel your grapes for you and like that, and that way you'll progress. It's just crazy. We don't look at anything in life like that. I mean, people who are in touch with reality, that is the reality of gravity, the reality of dense objects, that you run into stopping you dead in your tracks. Some people are aware of the reality and they can apply it to what they're doing. Some people are aware of reality, but they can't apply it to what they're doing. They think that for them, it should be different. It's like, well, why should get special treatment. So when I'm practicing on Tuesdays, if I'm running up a hill or riding a bicycle up a hill, you know, like the, uh, these people who get in, what is that race, the bicycle race in France? Tour de France. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, Tour de France. You know, some people, you know, these guys really work hard for this. I mean, they deliberately go out and ride up mountains and down mountains. I mean, really rugged, hard work to imagine that you can accomplish the same thing that they accomplish without doing that is not being in touch with reality. It's expecting special treatment. So on Tuesday, that's when I'm going to do the mountain climbing thing on my bicycle. So you get out there on Tuesday, but you know, on Tuesday, you expect that God's going to help you out by making your way flat, straight level. So you don't ever have to go up. So you don't ever have to pedal harder. So you don't ever have to get out of breath. So you don't ever have to pump yourself up to the place where you think you're going to have a heart attack. It's just not realistic. And anyone who is trying to do that doesn't expect that that's the way it's going to be. They don't expect that when they're going uphill, God's going to help them and make it feel like they're going downhill. It's just not the way it works. Are we all on the same page? Yes. Good. It's so bizarre that I have to even say this today, but we are living in a society that is so out of touch with reality, they actually imagine that they're entitled to have everything just handed to them. On the other hand... Things are tougher now than they've ever been before to have the American dream. What does that mean? What it means is that when I was growing up, you really could succeed by working hard, by working harder, by working two jobs or three jobs. You really could succeed. And it's not that way today. One of the things I'll mention as an example is education, higher education, that is college, university. Back in the 80s, if you went to university, and you worked a part-time job and you saved all the money that you got from that part-time job, you could graduate from university debt-free. That was in the eighties. Now, if you have a part-time job and you take all the money that you earn in that part-time job and you put it into paying off your university bills, you will graduate from university owing $120,000. That's a fact. That is the way it is. Why is it that way? Well, because how much you can earn in a part-time job is pretty much within a buck or two the same amount that you could earn back in the 80s. So that means that the cost of education has risen drastically. How else could that be? You have to look at it and say, well, you can't do that anymore. You can't just work a part-time job and put yourself through school and expect to be debt-free at the end of it. You can't do it because... Education is so exorbitant now. So you would think, well, you're getting a much better education. We see that that's not true at all. Not only do you not get a much better education, people come out dumber than they ever have before going to a university. I remember, this was back in the 60s when when things were really, uh, 67, I think. Yeah, back in 67, things were very, very different from the way they are now. If you were getting paid $1.25 an hour, you were pretty happy because a $1.25 an hour was pretty good wages for somebody just, you know, unskilled or semi-skilled worker working. Now people just think, well, there's no way you could live on that, right? There's no way you could live on that. Why? Well, because everything's so expensive. Well, why is it so expensive? It's very clear why it's so expensive. Because you have people like Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, all these people, all these millionaires, billionaires and soon to be trillionaires who have this idea of how things work. The idea of how things work is I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to provide a place for you to do it because I have capital. I'm going to invest that capital in this business. And it's a business that you can come and work in. And I'm going to pay you as little as I can possibly get away with so that I can earn as much as I can possibly earn. I'm going to make sure that I don't have to pay you. You're not going to work a full-time job. You're not going to work 40 hours a week. I'll just have more people work 30 hours a week and no people work 40 hours a week. Why? Because then I don't have to pay for your health care. So this is what we have. We have these billionaires who are basically doing this. And we have people who are working, who are working for the pretty much the same wage they worked for in the 80s and the 90s. And only everything costs more now, a lot more. It's hilarious for people on Social Security. They'll give you a cost of living increase. The cost of living goes up 10, 15 percent. Come on, this is, you've got to know that the cost of living hasn't risen 3%. You go to the gas station and you, well, today you buy gas. It's a lot cheaper than it's been in a long time, half the price. Why? Well, because supply and demand. Not as many people are out driving, and there aren't big industrial complexes using all these fossil fuels. So the demand has decreased so radically that they can't sell it for that price anymore. So they dropped the price to try and sell it. And they dropped the price to try and sell it because of supply and demand. So the Social Security will give you, a, every once in a while, a cost of living increase It'd be like 3%. When the cost of living actually went up 10 or 15%. You're going backwards. You're going backwards because the people, the billionaires, have purchased politicians, legislators, and those purchased legislators craft laws that favor the people who are paying them, the people who are giving them money. What do you expect is going to happen? The laws are going to be in the favor of the billionaires, the big companies, the corporations, and the people who are going to be shafted are the people who are working an hourly wage. Those are the people who are going to take it in the neck. It's the way it is. I don't have a solution for it, so don't even go there. Don't even. Oh, what? What? Well, what is your solution? I don't have a solution. There is no solution that I can come up with that would solve the problem because there is nobody who will accept that solution. What we want is someone to fix it for us we don't want to fix it ourselves we want someone else to fix it for us guess who steps up to the plate and says i'll pay the rent right the politicians they'll fix it for us just give us more money give us some more power and we'll fix it now we've been doing this since the early 60s late 50s that's what we've been doing so you would think In all that time, it would have gotten better if that was going to work. And it hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. That tells me it hasn't worked and it's not going to work. Unless we have a radical shift, paradigm shift in the way things are done, the way people treat each other, what is it? People are going to have to get over their greed, get over their pride, get over their what is it? They despise. People who have money despise people who don't. This is not new. Thousands of years ago, people were saying the same thing. We're still saying the same thing, just as nothing's changed. They despise people who don't have money because they don't have money. And they say it's because those people are lazy and don't want to work. When the truth is not that. The truth is you can work three jobs and still not be able to get what you could get 60 years ago. It's a fact. It's a fact nobody wants to look at. Well, of course... When I say nobody wants to look at it, I mean the billionaires don't want to look at it. The people who are working for minimum wage, they want to look at it. And they want somebody to take the money away from the billionaires and give it to them. Tell me what's the difference. I don't see any difference between the billionaires wanting to take the money away from you for themselves or you wanting to take the money away from them for yourself. That's not going to work either way. That's not going to work. So greed is not going to work. You're going to have greed as long as you have no love for your neighbor. Love God with all your heart and all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the solution. Nobody wants that solution. Well, I wouldn't say nobody, but the majority of people are not interested in that solution. And they have all kinds of reasons. They don't believe in God. So you can't love God with all your heart and all your soul if you don't believe in God. And they don't believe in neighbors. They believe in competition. They believe in opposition they believe that everybody is basically their enemy until they can prove otherwise that's how we look at it to love your neighbor as yourself means that you're willing to put your neighbor above yourself that's not going to work look at it that's what you think you think well that's crazy that's not going to work why is it not going to work well because everybody would have to be doing it in order for it to work out well and we know everybody's not going to do it but The funny thing is, is love God with all your heart and all your soul, love your neighbors yourself, isn't conditional. It isn't like, well, do that if everybody else is doing it. It's just do that. Well, what if people take advantage of you? Well, Jesus handled that too. What if someone compels you to carry their burden for a mile? He said that. Jesus' answer to that was, we'll carry it for two miles. That's just crazy to the people in this world. It's craziness. That doesn't make any sense. Someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. That's crazy. People aren't going to do that. The people who did do that are no longer in existence. Who did that? The Quakers did that. Where are the Quakers today? There are Quakers today, but it's like not like they were in the 1700s. It just doesn't work for people because people won't work it. That's it. So what's the point in trying to get people to do something that they're not going to do? It's a waste of time. So I don't waste my time with people. I waste my time with you trying to get you to subscribe to these beliefs, to do these things that the rest of the world doesn't want to do. And I have limited success. There are things that you will do that you tough it out. You'll suck it up and you'll do it because you have faith. There's a limit if I say to you, well, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. You say, yeah, but I like it. Yeah, I know you like it, but you really shouldn't be doing it. It's not good for you. It's not building you up. It's tearing you down. Yeah, but it feels better that way. It's a good way to handle it. And so there's nothing I can do. You are the one that has to see it. You are the one that has to apply it. It doesn't do any good for me to apply it for you any more than it does you any good for me to eat your lunch. Well, some of you would do some good if I ate your lunch. That's because you've had one lunch too many or several lunches too many. Now, let's face it. We're allowed to say this. Who's going to be upset about this? Obesity is a problem in the world today. People stuffing more food down their throats than they actually can burn off the calories that they get from that food. And so they store those excess calories as fat. It's a terrible thing, really, when you think about it. How rude. God made it so that if we ate too much, we'd get fat and we'd get sick. Oh, you know, it's like, but, but there it is. And so what can we do about that? Well, first thing we do about it is deny it. What is some of the denial things? Well, we all know that anytime you eat anything over the sink, that doesn't count. There are no calories involved in that. <laughs> Any, any time. If you eat standing up, that doesn't count, you know, because that's not. Re- if you're grazing, you're just eating a little bit here and a little bit there, and you do it all day long, that doesn't count. You can't get fat doing that. So how do people get fat? Well, it's it's a mystery. Yeah, it's just a mystery. We don't know. Here we are, 2020. Science has supposedly made all of these incredible strides forward. Medicine has made made all these incredible strides forward. And yet we still can not understand that if we eat more fuel than we burn, the fuel is stored and we get large. And once we are large, we're putting more strain on our skeletal system, on our muscular system, on our nervous system. We're putting more strain on ourselves. And we're also clogging up our pipes. So once our pipes are clogged up, everything isn't moving the way it should, so we get sick. In the same way, if you block a stream where there's water coming in and there's a little rivulet here, it goes off here and it runs out here, and you block that, that then gets stagnant. What happens with stagnant water? Well, at first it just gets kind of mossy, turns green, it gets algae in it. Then if it doesn't get any fresh water in it, it starts to stink. Then it starts to breed mosquitoes and all kinds of nasty things that are not good for people or animals. That's what happens. When your body does that, guess what? The same thing happens. It starts to stink, it starts to get clogged up, and it starts to breed nasty things or make you susceptible to nasty things that are outside of your body that then attack your body because your immune system is compromised by this condition that you found yourself in, that you put yourself in, I should say, not found yourself in, as you put yourself in, then you're more easily attacked. You're more easily, your health is more easily disrupted. These are facts. They're facts. They're unpleasant facts. They're unpleasant facts that we do not enjoy talking about. Skinny people enjoy talking about them. Skinny people love to talk about, yeah, you fat slob. Well, maybe if you didn't eat so much, they love that. And fat people like to say, oh, look at you, you string bean. You just look unhealthy. They love it. And everybody wants to be pointing the finger at somebody else, but nobody wants to be taking responsibility for what they're putting in their mouth and for how much of it they're putting in their mouth. We want it to be a mystery. We want it to be magic. We want it to be something that we don't understand. Why? I wonder how that happened. People's funny, there's a girl at the gym and she's pregnant and she says, uh, we only did it one time. (laughs) Okay, if you say so. And so now you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. Okay, but like you thought you were going to do it and not get pregnant. And that happens. I mean, there are people who do it and don't get pregnant. They just hit it just right. The old Catholics used to call it the rhythm method of birth control. That is, you counted days and like that. People don't do that anymore because we've got so many contraceptive devices and pills and things that we can we can just forget all that. And yet, people still accidentally get pregnant. Like they were accidentally having intercourse. You know, like, well, I was just walking along and I tripped over this log and fell on her and then we just had intercourse. Now, that's not the way it works. But we imagine that that's the way it works. We imagine if people get pregnant, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. Well... Were you having intercourse? Well, yeah. That's probably why you're pregnant. Really? You think that's it? I don't know. It could have been been that rose you picked the other day. Maybe that was it. Which is so crazy because we hate reality. We hate it because it doesn't conform with what we want. You may think that all this is a digression, but you'd be mistaken. If we go astray at the very beginning and want the Lord to do our will and to lead us just as our fancy dictates, how can this building possibly have a firm foundation? Let us see that we do as much as in us lies, as much as you're able to do, and avoid these venomous reptiles. For often it is the Lord's will that we should be persecuted and afflicted and so on and so forth. We hate that part, so I won't read it again because I know it just vexes you beyond comprehension. Who wants to suffer? I don't. Who wants to be in pain? I don't. Do you? Well, then you have something wrong with you. If you want to suffer, if you like pain, there's something wrong with you. That's not normal. On the other hand, there are two kinds of suffering. One is we call it creative suffering. That is useful, necessary suffering. That's what the athletes do when they want to win a gold medal. That's what people who are trying to learn something that's hard to learn. That's what they do. They knuckle down to it and they keep at it and they pound the way out until they finally find a way and then so that's creative suffering useful necessary suffering then there's useless unnecessary suffering and that is the suffering that we bring on ourselves because we're stupid because we're trying to find an easier softer way because we think I don't like this reality I want to be some other way then we end up with cognitive dissonance and what that dissonance and what that means is that we can no longer distinguish between reality and fantasy but if society agrees we're not that far out if the majority of society believes that you can have intercourse whenever you want, as often as you want, and be a normal, healthy, physical specimen, and not get pregnant. That is not real. It just isn't real. But there are people who think that. If you can get enough people to think that, and you all agree on it, it doesn't change reality, but it sets up another reality. It sets up a psychic reality. A psychic reality is not real reality it's in your mind and it's by agreement. So it's like democratic reality. If enough people can vote and say, oh yes, we want gravity turned off on this day for this hour because uh, a very great man who we liked fell to his death. And so we're gonna turn gravity off so that great men can't fall there to death. It's, it's crazy, but that's what we do. Anything to avoid suffering. If then you sometimes fail, don't lose heart. Or cease striving to make progress, or even out of your fall, God will bring good, just as a man selling an antidote will drink poison before he takes it in order to prove its power. Of course, we don't have that so much today because we have so many regulations that govern what people are allowed to do. So, your body, your choice. Yeah, except if you want to do this. Except if you want to do that. Except if you want to do this. So your body, your choice is just really a very narrow thing. Well, it only applies to this. It doesn't apply to anything else. It's the way we do things now. It's the way people have always done things. There have always been people who hated reality and who tried to make it some other way. By any means necessary, which I find hilarious. It never works, ever, never has, never will. People keep doing it. You remember one of the definitions of insanity. People who keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. If nothing else could show us what wretched creatures we are and what harm we do to ourselves by dissipating our desires, this war which goes on within us would be sufficient to do so and to lead us back to recollection. Let's take that first part. If nothing else could show us what wretched creatures we are. Do you want to know what a wretched creature you are? Hello? No. No. Nobody, nobody wants to know that. How much less do the people out there in the world want to know? See, you're willing to say, okay, I'm a sinner. I've screwed up. I'm not a good person. What did I say last night at dinner? I'm a horrible person. I'm a terrible person. I say mean things. I do stupid things. I'm just a horrible person. I never, well, okay, once in a while I get some pushback on that. You're not a horrible person. But I always question, why are you saying I'm not a horrible person? Well, because then maybe you'll say I'm not a horrible person. Well, you should know me better than that. (laughs) If you say I'm not a horrible person, I'm going to tell you you are a horrible person for telling me that I'm not a horrible person. And you're not going to like that because that didn't go according to plan. What's the plan? The plan is, well, I'll be nice to you if you'll be nice to me. What's nice? I mean, I can understand a five-year-old kid telling you that. I had a five-year-old kid tell me that. I'd be nicer to you if you were nicer to me. And if you're five years old, well, that probably makes sense. But hello, when you're 65 years old, you've had 60 years to figure out that that doesn't work. If I'm nicer to you, that doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be nicer to me, that just means I'm gonna be nicer to you. The real rub is, if I'm nicer to you and you're not nicer to me, what am I gonna do? Am I going to continue to be nicer to you? And this is where the teachings of Jesus Christ come in. He says, yeah, that's what you should do. No matter how much, I think I have a quote by somebody. I can't remember who. Keating, I think it is. Thomas Keating, where he says, uh, vulnerability means to be hurt over and over again without seeking to love less, but more. You know, it reminds me of the story about that guy who was walking along and he wasn't paying attention to where he was going. He was fiddling on his phone, you know, texting. And he walked off a cliff, as so many people do. I mean, it happens all the time down here on the coast. People are texting and walk right off a cliff. End up dead at the bottom of the cliff and, wow, I wonder what happened. It's so tragic. Well, it wouldn't have been so tragic if you'd been paying attention to where you were, what you were doing, and not fiddling around with your phone like an idiot. Guy fell off the cliff. But he was fortunate. He grabbed the branch, and he was hanging on to that branch. And he looked down, and the rocks below, 100 feet below the rocks. If I let go of this branch, I will be dashed to pieces or smushed on those rocks. So he looks up, and he he thinks, you know, okay, well, I need help. So he starts to yell, help, help, help. Nobody comes. There's nobody around. So he finally thinks, okay, well, oh, God, please help me. Because prayer is always our last resort. First we go, oh, help me, help me. We want somebody to help us. We don't want some invisible somebody to help us. We want a visible somebody with a hand who can pull us up or a rope who can pull us up or some way to get us up. That's what we want. So the clouds part, and a voice from the cloud says, I hear you, my child. Let go, and I'll rescue you. The guy looks down, he looks back up, and he says, is there anybody else up there? And that's how we do it. We always are looking for someone else up there because we don't want to have faith because it's hard and we don't like things that are hard. So we don't want to know what wretched creatures we are and what harm we do to ourselves by dissipating our desires. We don't want to know. Can any evil be greater than the evil which we find in our own house? Well, sure. Absolutely. We are not evil. Everybody knows everybody else is evil, but not, not me. When you do something wrong, you have a good excuse. You have an excellent reason. When somebody else does something wrong, it's just because they're wicked people. They're evil. Sorry, but this is the way we look at life. This is the way everyone looks at life until they discipline themselves and do the hard work of training themselves in the truth, training themselves in reality rather than training themselves in the lie, training themselves in fantasy and imagination, which is what most people do most of the time. What hope can we have of being able to rest in other people's homes if we cannot rest in our own? For none of our friends and relatives are as near to us as our faculties, with which we have always to live, whether we like it or not, and yet our faculties seem to be making war upon us, as if they were resentful of the war made upon them by our vices. Peace, peace, said the Lord, and many a time he spoke words of peace to his apostles. Believe me, unless we have peace and strive for peace in our own home, we shall not find it in the homes of others. Again, we know this intellectually to be true, but That's not how we operate. Isn't it interesting that we can have one set of beliefs that we believe and then another set of beliefs that we operate out of? How do we do that? It's as if we had two minds and that's not accurate. We don't have two minds. We have so many minds that it's impossible to count them. We have so many different minds, ideas about how to do things that we can't distinguish one from another most of the time. By the blood which Christ shed for us, I beg this of those who have not begun to enter within themselves and those who have begun to do so must not allow such warfare to turn them back. What warfare? The warfare that we find ourselves in when our faculties are having war made upon them by our vices. I know that eating too much food is not good for me. I know that this particular kind of food that I love is really bad for me. For example, we know that back in the day, not so much today, but back in the day, a couple hundred years ago, rich people had rich people diseases because rich people could afford to eat rich foods. And rich foods caused huge problems. gout obesity, high cholesterol, all the things they do now, except that there are more people now who can afford rich foods. What does that mean? There are more sick people, a lot more. But anyway, back in the day, people get gout or something like that from rich foods. Now we get gout or something from rich foods, and what do we do? Go to the doctor and get some pills. And what do the pills do? Do they fix it? No, they just make the symptoms go away so you don't have to suffer. Well, that's really smart, isn't it? Think about how intelligent that is. Okay, let's say you've got a candle here and it's lit and you put your hand over it really close so it starts to burn your hand. You look at that and you think, well, I could take my hand away, but <laughs> I really like this candle, it smells good. Apart from the fact that my flesh is burning and that smells bad, but it smells, you know, I like it. So I'm gonna keep doing it. But in order to keep doing it, I'm gonna to have to take this pain medication to stop feeling the pain. What's the pain telling you? Get your hand out of there, you idiot. That's what the pain's telling you. And what are you telling the pain? Go away, I wanna do this anyway. I'm sorry people, but from my perspective, that's insanity. Truly, that is out of touch with reality. But it's not out of touch with reality if I can take the pill to make the pain go away. Yes it is, your hand will still catch fire, your arm will eventually burn off. Then there's no pill you can take to grow a new arm. So, it's insanity. And if you wanna argue with me about that, No, I'm not arguing about it. Never argue with a fool, which means you should not argue with me. You thought I was going to say you were the fool, huh? No, I don't have a problem being a fool, as long as I can be a fool for Christ. They must realize that to fall a second time is worse than to fall once. Yeah, the problem is you fall once, you pick yourself up, you brush yourself off. Maybe you got a couple scrapes and bruises, you put a Band-Aid on, you 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 wash it, you put a Band-Aid on. You fall again, and you're just adding to the damage you've done yourself. That's what she's saying. The The second time is worse than to fall once. They can see that it will lead them to ruin. Let them place their trust not in themselves, but in the mercy of God, and they will see how his majesty can lead them on from one group of mansions to another and set them on safe ground where these beasts cannot harass or hurt them, for he will place the beasts in their power and laugh them to scorn. And then they themselves, even in this life, I mean, will enjoy many more good things than they could ever desire. But, but, but wait a second. You said that God wants us to suffer sometimes. He wants us to be bitten. Yeah, but I didn't say he wants it always and forever any more than I said that the guy who wants to win the gold medal has to climb that mountain on his bicycle forever. He doesn't. There's a time to rest. There's a time to go on flat ground. There's a time to go downhill. There's a time to just get off the bicycle and go eat something and sleep. In other words, one size doesn't fit all. But here we're asking people to place their trust in God, in his mercy. That's really asking a lot of people who don't believe in God. People who believe that they are God, that the highest that a man can reach is himself that eventually, given enough time, we will, (laughs) this is so bizarre, this is what the world believes today. Eventually, given enough time, we'll cure all the diseases, we'll fix all the problems, and we'll live forever. We don't know how we're going to do it yet, but we know we're going to do it. We're gonna somehow invent some pill. We're gonna somehow do some stem cell research. We're gonna somehow do something and we're gonna grow organ parts and then when the organs in our bodies then wear out, we'll just replace them with this new grown organ. We're gonna do that. And we're we're gonna freeze our heads. We're gonna cut our heads off and freeze them until later when all these things come about. Then we'll have our head unfrozen and screwed onto a new body or something. I don't know, but it's just so bizarre. It's so bizarre. It's like science fiction gone terribly wrong. And all this so that we don't have to believe that we were created. So that we can believe that we're the end all. We are the highest, we're the greatest. We are the most wonderful thing that ever happened to the planet. When. All of life tells us that is not true. All of life tells us that every place that man goes, he makes it broken, dirty, clogged up, nasty, smelly, overuses it, takes all the resources and then moves on to another place and sucks all the resources out of that. Then moves on to another place and sucks all the resources out of that. It's great. 10,000 years ago, when there were only so many people on the planet, there was still the same size planet, and people could just move to another place and move to another place and move to another, and do that, and that worked. But now we've got 7 billion people on the planet, and it's getting much more difficult to move to some place where there are resources left. Don't get me wrong, we're doing it. China has lots of resources. So what do we do? Well, we moved all our manufacturing to China. Why? Resources. Cheap labor, more for us, screw them. That is not love your neighbors yourself. That's not going to work. It's not working. It's never worked, and it never will work. But the great thing about human beings is we can believe something that's not true. We can believe that even though that has never worked, magically, this time it's going to work. As I said, that's the definition of insanity, and we earned it. As I said, first of all, I have already written to you about how you ought to behave. Oh boy, I'm running out of time. I talk too much. I'm so on the edge of, oh, I think I'll just shut up forever. (laughs) I really don't want to do this. And right now, I'm very aware that I just don't want to do this. I don't want to be doing this. Why am I doing it? Again, I'm doing it out of faith. I think that this is what God wants me to do. I don't want to do it, but he does want me to do it. So I'll do it. I'll do it to the best of my ability. I'll do it when I don't want to do it. And That's where I'm at right now. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway because I want the gold medal. When they want to rest and they'll take their rest, I'll keep working because I want the gold medal. So yeah, I'm going for the gold. That's my problem. I'm going for the gold. When other people are happy to have the bronze. Or work, to not even play at all. I'll just stay home and eat a big old plate of grilled cheese sandwiches and french fries. That's what I'll do. They can have their Olympics. I'll watch the Olympics on TV while I'm eating my grilled cheese sandwiches and french fries. So she goes on to say, I've already written to you about how you ought to behave when you have to suffer these disturbances with which the devil torments you. And about how recollection cannot be be begun by making strenuous efforts but must come gently, after which you will be able to practice it for longer periods at a time. This is so true. I mean, because she's talking about spiritual things, we go, oh, what do you mean? I don't understand. Let's go back to the gym. You go to the gym and you say, okay, well, I want to get strong. So I'm going to lift this weight and it's 300 pounds. Well, you don't get strong. You get injured and then you can't work out at all. So not only are you are not going forward, you're going backward. That's what we do. She's saying, well, why not start off with a lighter weight and just do more repetitions? Why not just start off easier and gradually build up to it? That makes sense in a gym, but it doesn't make sense when it comes to this, because when we talk about this, we're fighting. We're fighting with the ideas. We're fighting with the ideas that we can't have everything we want. We're fighting with the idea that we don't know everything. We're fighting with the idea that we're not the pinnacle of creation. There are beings that are more powerful than us. Fortunately, most people can't see them. And because they can't see them, they can say they don't exist. And what could be a more pleasant lie? Uh, They don't exist. It's like venomous snakes don't exist. So you can go walk anywhere you want and do anything you want, because venomous snakes don't exist until you run across a venomous snake. And if you're fortunate enough to see it and get out of its way, then you don't have to be bitten. But if you realize that venomous snakes don't exist, well, you're not gonna see it and you're gonna get bit and then you're gonna be poisoned and then you might die. And then that'll end your game. Two words will appear on the screen of your eyes game over. Yeah, we're going to stop here because this is a good place to stop. Actually, it's not a good place to stop. It's a horrible place to stop, but I don't have much choice because of time.